listening to CodesCast, a podcast from the Center for Oral History and Digital Storytelling at Concordia University. Vous écoutez CodesCast, un podcast du Centre d'histoire orale et de récits numérisés à l'Université Concordia. I'm your host Sadie, and for this episode, I talk to Katrina Shrigley and Franca Yacoveta, who, together with Stacy Zembricki, are the editors of Beyond Women's Words, an anthology of feminist oral history. Welcome to CodesCast, and thank you very much for chatting with me. Uh, the first thing is, can each of you introduce yourself uh, to me and to the listeners? Sure, I'm happy to start. My name's Katrina Strigley, and uh, I was born and raised in the Toronto area, in the Dish with One Spoon uh, territory, Mississauga Anishinaabek territory. Uh, my ancestors are settlers to that territory, um, starting in the 18th century. And uh, I now live on Beezing Nishnabek territory, uh, where I work as an historian and a priest in the university. I'm Franca Yakoveta, and uh, I grew up very much in, in the same context that Katrina described. Uh, the difference is that I continue to uh, uh, live uh, on this territory. And um, I'm an historian at the University of Toronto, and I've I think I'm in my 29th year at the University of Toronto, so I've been around for a while. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thanks. (laughs) Uh, And so you two are together with Stacey, uh, editors of the Beyond Women's Words um, compilation, and I'm just wondering if you can tell me a little bit about the project, uh, what it is, and how it came to be. Do I, I'll uh, start uh, and share that um, Beyond Women's Words, I think, had its earliest genesis uh, in 2011, uh, actually at Concordia, where you are, um, Stacey Zimbricki and Anna Scheftel organized an international oral history conference uh, that drew uh, all kinds of uh, wonderful uh, oral historians to Montreal, and in that group, uh, was Shona Burger Gluck, who, along with Daphne Patai, published Women's Words, um, the uh, you know, pivotal text in feminist oral history um, since its publication in the early 1990s. So, 1991, it was published. And at that uh, conference, as Sharna says in her preface to Beyond Women's Words, uh, Stacey and Anna said, We need women's words too. And uh, <laughs> Sherna was uh, enthusiastically endorsed uh, the idea for women's words too, but said she uh, was not willing to take the project on uh, because uh, edited collections are a huge amount of work. So that uh, that international oral history conference um, uh, was really, I think, the genesis of the conversation, at least. And then uh, for the Burks, uh, Berkshire Caucus on the History of Women and Gender in Toronto in 2014, Franca, along with Stacy and Pam Sugerman, organized a workshop um, to, you know, as part of a series of workshops that kicked off uh, the big works in Toronto. And uh, that, that workshop included... Uh, myself, as well as various authors from Women's Words and new practitioners of feminist oral history, uh, drawing us together into conversation about being beyond women's words. Were we beyond women's words? Where were we in the field? And uh, the room was packed that day. Uh, Franca was outside. She can add to this story, outside the room. (laughs) 
the president of the Big Burks, uh, trying to find chairs for people, trying to get in the room. Um, so clearly, and the, the conversation was dynamic and energetic. People were clearly, um, women's words was not left behind in any way. <laughs> clearly, we were uh, still in this moment of great dynamism and energy and uh, raising questions that needed to be answered. And so that was, I would say, then, you know, moved us along uh, towards this edited collection. Um, would one of you like to maybe fill people who aren't familiar in with what women's words was? and the relationship of women's words and beyond women's words? Um, well, I'll take one stab and pass it on to Katrina. I mean, it was, um, uh, it, it's, you know, what we call a landmark book, you know, a groundbreaking book um, in the sense that um, it, 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 it moved forward from where things had been. Um, women's history, women's oral history, feminist oral history had been very much defined and kind of, you know, researched by, on, for women, almost kind of essentialist way, which is what Sheila Berger-Gluck would now say. Um, and what Women's Words did was to actually raise critical questions about oral history um, challenged the assumptions that feminists had made about doing oral history, the kind of assumption that because I'm a feminist and I'm interviewing women and I care about women, it's all going to be okay. There's going to be a kind of egalitarian you know, um, uh, context there, almost by definition, um, that among the things Women's Words did was to really, really address ethical questions that come up about power and authority, even when we're feminists, um, or the different kinds of dynamics that emerge as a result of, of that. There were important questions asked by anthropologists and others who do cross-cultural research about right, white feminists from the global north going and you know, doing research on women of the global south. Um, and you know, what were the ethical dilemmas about that? There were important questions raised about what we would now call self-reflexivity, reflecting on the role that you play in the interview and shaping it, even intruding right into the interview. And uh, those kinds of questions that now are kind of staple questions for a lot of oral historians um, was introduced in a significant way in that volume. Awesome. Um, yeah, pivoting now to Beyond Women's Words, um, I would like maybe one of you or both of you can talk about what you're most excited about about that volume or what you think is most, it's most important contribution? Um, Beyond Women's Words does bring an intergenerational, transnational, um, multidisciplinary group of people together to have conversation. Uh, and this is where, uh, and do, does it in ways um, that move us well beyond a tokenistic kind of add and stir. Okay, so let's draw in um, this person or that person and, and create a table of contents that hits all the right points. Um, Beyond Women's Words really was about establishing relationships and thinking about um, generating conversation and generating uh, relationships. So each section, um, while thematic, also is very attentive to different generation generational scholars uh, within those sections. Uh, voices from uh, from the global south, indigenous voices, 
uh, Voices from Women's Words, the original volume. So we were very mindful about uh, the relationships that we were building and trying to break down uh, disciplinary boundaries, epistemological boundaries um, that often uh, continue to shape uh, the work that we do in university uh, and in our disciplines and as academics. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, either of you can talk about some of the challenges or obstacles in uh, this work. Women's Words, um, the original, you know, editor Shirna Berkluck and Daphne Pattai, um, you know, they say they, they were a little bit worried that the emphasis on dilemmas and challenges um, and, uh, you know, uh, that there was so much emphasis on that that people might see the book as a negative thing and they might actually scare people away from doing some historical history, but they were wrong. And in fact, right, they attracted lots of people. But I think that is actually for us too, I think a challenge that there's a lot of stuff in here about what goes wrong or about how we're never gonna be able to capture this or capture that or, um, you know, it's daunting. Taken together, it's actually quite daunting. So um, that you know, that's that's an ongoing challenge. It's something you could be really engaged by, um, you know, and acknowledging the limitations of what you're doing is really important. Um, but that's that's daunting. Um, and I think um, the other, you know, Stacey could have spoken more to this, and I know Katrina uh, can too. But the um, you know another thing that's new about Beyond Women's Words and also a challenge is the whole paradigmatic shift to the digital. You know, this whole issue of the digital is really important. So, of course, we have essays on the digital, on its people who are optimistic about it, people who are really very critical about it, the issues around, um, you know, how do you tell, you know, what happens to people's stories when you post them up there for the rest of the world to do whatever they want to them, um, you know, the whole feminist concerns about safe spaces and so forth, what happens you know, uh, when you post them, uh, it's, uh, you know, not coincidental that a leading figure in all of this is Shirna Berger-Gluck herself, who's now devoted, I don't know, more than a decade and says this is the last, this is her last phase of her career as a feminist oral historian is being in those rooms and arguing and negotiating and fighting with those software guys who are almost all men who don't think about ge gender doesn't even occur to them, right? Um, or optimistic notions that this is now all more democratic without thinking about how, you know, the digital can act possibly do damage to people. Um, so th that's a huge challenge as well. That kind of uh, knee-jerk, oh, great, I've got a oral history, got to post it, great. You know, um, there's a lot more, there's a, it's a lot more complicated and there's some danger, uh, danger to it. So I think that's a challenge as well. Uh, and I think this is basically the topic of my next question, but um, I'm wondering if either of you want to reflect on Beyond Women's Words and how this volume may be contributing to oral history as a field or what oral history could be becoming um, or other disciplinary backgrounds. You know, Beyond Women's Words both reflects um, and contributes further to that really, really significant paradigmatic shift from oral history to memory history. 
when we were busy trying to defend oral history and saying, and people were saying, well, people have faulty memories and therefore we can't really believe anything. Um, you know, one perfectly legitimate response was, well, the archives are full of fragmentary records, many of which don't actually tell you the facts either, and you cannot use those documents naively. I teach an historical methods course. I'm going to go and lecture for two hours and then have a workshop on, um, you know, what, what, what's actually in the archives, you know, and you, you, can't, you can't face any document, right, in a naive way. Nothing speaks directly to you. Um, and um, so moving beyond that to say, uh, you know, we're not in the business of fixing people's faulty memories. We're actually in the business of understanding memory, of trying to understand how people um, uh, remember their stories, tell their stories, narrate their stories, and also that memory changes, right? That it's, to me, you know, another major innovator in the field for me is Louisa Pasadini, and I was really honored to be able to do a little project with her um, a few years ago. Um, but, you know, she, she's saying back in 1976, you know, you need to understand that memory, quote, speaks from the present, as she put it, that, right, you're, another way is to say your positionality, but, right, that who you are in the present time that you're telling your story, right, has a, a very significant, plays a significant role in the shaping of that story, and the memory can change across time, and that's what we're interested in, we're interested in competing memories, um, interested in um, whether there are recurring patterns in people's memories, you know, rather than the sort of empiricist um, uh, preoccupation with whether or not we're getting the right, you know, the absolute right fact of the moment. Um, so I think that, that Beyond's word certainly contributes to that ongoing um, uh, a paradigmatic shift. I guess the other contribution um, uh, is, is that the book does also bring together artists and performers. And I think that the um, the theater folks, the music folks, the, 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 the using oral histories into performance. Uh, again, that's going on very much in codes. Codes is part of Beyond Women's Words because some of those folks are codes folks. Um, come wash with us, you know, Tashed Collective. Uh, those people really enriched the project and we thought it was fantastic, right? Great that uh, when we launched the book in Montreal, the Oral History Association, uh, meetings that the Tash Collective could also perform, come wash with us. So um, community activists are also in the book. So um, that attempt to bring in right practitioners of different types, uh, but also sharing some similar goals, I think was a, is a contribution of the book. Great. Uh, that actually leads well into my last real question, which is about um, oral history and research creation. Um, and I'm wondering mm -hmm. if either of you have, uh, through Beyond Women's Words, um, had any insights on these two concepts coming together. I, of course, thought about Come Wash With Us, um, the Tash Collective that Franca has already mentioned, and uh, how uh, meaningful it is for me, uh, was for me, to see that performance after reading about the performance for many, many, many months uh, in working with their chapter um, to actually see the performance. And, you know, in the uh, library, um, what's the name of the library? Where, the Atwater Library in Montreal, where we launched Beyond Women's Words. Um, um, I, as I watched them, the depth of my understanding of that chapter uh, increased. I had a 
renewed, different uh, relationship to the stories uh, and the story framework that they establish uh, in their chapter. So um, creative, um, the creative process in whatever form it takes, whether it is performance, interactive performance, um, whether it is uh, creating um, an app, whether it's creating artwork, um, or um, uh, theater pieces, like uh, like in the case of Muriel Miguel and Penny Cucci, uh, all of this, when brought together with writing about uh, those um, uh, creative moments, I think just deepens our understanding of moments in time, of relationships, and of our histories. Awesome. Uh, well. That's it for me, and I just really want to thank both yeah, of you it's for. Twelve oh one, so we're right on time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and I was. This was a great conversation, and I'm really excited to share it with our listeners. Okay, great. Well, it was really nice talking with you, and we look forward to the final product. Codescast was produced by me, Sadie Couture, and Maeva Thibault. Original idea by Marie-Anne Gagnon, supervised by Stéphane Martelli. Original music for Codescast was composed by Jacob Lassard.